0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. If you would, I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. Pick up where we left off this morning and... See where we wind up this evening. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come this evening in the name of Jesus. Lord, again asking that you would enable us to uh, bring honor to you here. Lord, we thank you already for uh, the songs sung and performed. And Lord, uh, for the opportunity to give. And now Lord we ask for your blessing on proclamation of your word. I ask that you enable me to speak uh, what the very message you would have delivered here. I ask that you grant that I would speak accurately and plainly and Lord uh, enable all of us to understand the truths that you are uh, speaking to your church for our edification, for our growth. For our preparation as we prepare to leave this world and spend eternity with You. Be glorified, uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, we uh, talked really, and we read, and I'm going to read some of this again, uh, same passage we read this morning. But we primarily focused in on verses 12 through 16 of chapter 4 uh, and talked about a great light, Jesus Christ, uh, come to uh, illuminate those that are sit in darkness, shine light on those who are uh, in the shadow of death. Light has dawned, as Isaiah says, as Matthew says here tonight. And I mentioned this at the end of the uh, service this morning. But Tonight, I want to think more about following the light. Um, not in the sense that, uh, you know, people who have these, uh, uh, claim these near-death experiences talk about. <laughs> I was given blood one time and, and. uh, uh yeah. I was, I was, you know, they had me laid out on one deal, and a friend of mine, just across from me, and, and uh, he was laid out on one, and he he, he reached over and told the uh, the lady that was taking blood, he said, I'm feeling a little queasy here, you know, and uh, she says, Oh, don't don't leave on me now, don't, don't, don't. and he said he said I see a light, and, and she and she, she said, Don't go to the light, don't go to the light. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're, we're. Jesus Christ is the light, as we said this morning. He said, "I am the light of the world." So we're talking about following Him. Now, I mentioned at the end of the at the end of the service this morning, uh, that's kind of the uh, there's kind of an illustration of that in in the lighthouse, isn't there? You know, Zach sang the song this morning, "The Lighthouse," and uh, that's like the song says, um, "Safely lead me o'er." You know, lead me through the troubled waters, and this is not in the song, but it's the idea. Lead me through the troubles, troubled waters of this life, safely, uh, lead me home. It's by following the light, staying focused on the light. So that's kind of, kind of the idea of what I'm talking about tonight, and maybe with a little more, uh, action in mind here, as, as we'll see as we go through here. Now I'm gonna, again, pick up in, in, Verse uh, Actually, I'm going to start in verse 17. Read 17 through 25. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed Him. Going on from there, He saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed, epileptics and uh, paralytics, and he healed And he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Okay. Um, There is a consistency or continuity um, in the message of the Bible as a whole, actually. And certainly that holds true. Um, then for the New Testament. Now it's it's incredible to me, uh, not not literally. I mean it's not it's not unbelievable. It's it's uh, actually believable because God does it. <laughs> but, but it seems unbelievable that you would have so many authors over a period of so many thousand years, something like 2,800 years or more, um, pen a book that comes together in perfect. Unity. In other words, the the message from Moses to uh, John the Revelator is consistent all the way through the book. I I actually saw a uh, a uh, special on TV once. This is many years ago. I I I, I can't remember. It was one of these, you know, History Channel or or something like that. where of course they were uh in search of the real Jesus, you know. You know how they they do that kind of thing. And they had this uh expert, don't remember what her uh particular field was, but uh explaining the tension between John the Baptist and Jesus, which I'm telling you is non-existent. <laughs> but she she, uh, you know, in her expertise, had had uh, come up with this whole thing about this uh, kind of a struggle for power. Um, what, I, what I want, one of the things I want you to see here is the perfect consistency. Remember when John the Baptist shows up on the scene? What is his message? Now, first and foremost, he's he's proclaiming the coming of Christ. I mean, there's there is no tension there between the two. John knows his his uh, calling, his ministry, and he's a forerunner to Christ. He's there to announce Christ. And John himself says, uh, I'm not worthy to unbuckle his sandals. And he says, I must decrease and he must increase. He understands that uh, you know his ministry is going to be phased out as Jesus is phased in. And he's fine with that. There is no Power struggle. And John's message that the Lord used to prepare the way of the Lord was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? You remember talking about that? He comes on the scene preaching repentance and baptizing uh, a baptism of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, we see the same thing here in uh, in, uh, in verse 17 as, as Jesus uh, sort of takes the stage. And, and John, by the way, if you want to see that, in, uh, let's see here. Chapter 3, verse 2. This, this is John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then you get over to chapter 4, verse 17. Here you have Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is, in a nutshell, I mean, this is the message of the gospel, the message of the kingdom. They're preparing the way. John and now Jesus are introducing the coming of the kingdom, and they're saying, in order to um, get ready for the kingdom, or you know, be prepared for the kingdom, and are in the kingdom. Here's what you got to do: you got to repent. It, it's a command; it's not uh, not a suggestion. A command: repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, like we talked about this morning, here's Jesus making known God and things about God. He is. The light, the true light, shining in darkness. So he's, he's, he's illuminating, making things known, exposing things, revealing God, revealing God's will. And here's the, the you know, bottom line message, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we go on to see where He calls different ones to follow Him. Now, I want to trace this through a little bit, uh, a little further, just to show you that this message stays consistent. All right? Um, for example, Acts 2.38, on the day of Pentecost, when the Lord uh, pours out the Holy Spirit on uh, the believers present there, uh, Peter preaches... And then there's a response from the people uh, as to what to do. And Peter replies in Acts 2.38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the message is from John the Baptist, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near or at hand. The message from Jesus Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The message from Peter now in Acts 2 is repent and be baptized. And then in Acts 3.19, similar uh, situation. And uh, in fact, let me just turn over there quickly. Uh, Turn there if you want to, or just I'll read it. Just a couple of verses here. At the at the uh, end of his sermon here, verse nineteen, repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now, the worded there's a little nuance here, worded a little dif- differently, but the message is the same. Repent, repent, repent therefore and be converted. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and be baptized. That your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's Acts 3.19. Uh, In Acts chapter 8, once again, Peter, here he's dealing with Simon the sorcerer, says to him, Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Acts 17, Paul standing uh, at the Areopagus in Athens, Greece, addressing the uh, the, uh, the people there. says, truly, he's already talked about them worshiping God in ignorance. They're, they're worshiping, they don't even know who they're worshiping. And so Paul goes on to say, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now... Commands all men everywhere to repent. Remember, I said a moment ago, it's a, it's a command, uh, not not a not just a suggestion. Be nice if you repent, but it's, it's a command. Repent. So Paul says that plainly. God now commands all men everywhere to repent. In Acts twenty six twenty. Paul speaking of his own. Uh, uh, a vision that he was given by the Lord in fact I want to read some of that too acts twenty six Jesus appears to Paul and here uh, Paul is uh, testifying before Agrippa on his way to Rome first paul gives uh, gives his testimony as we would say he talks about his his uh, encounter with the Lord. And uh, in verse, um, this, this is where he, by the way, sees a great light on the road to Damascus. And, and then Jesus speaks to him in verse 16 Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Paul is speaking, So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Now, Now remember... Uh, again, that's a, that has, that's a lot of what we, we talked about this morning. A great light has come, Jesus Christ. the promised light. Uh, the light has come. It's fulfilled in the coming of the person of Jesus Christ in His ministry. And the result of that, and we, we talked a little this morning about the uh, the typology, you know, darkness is used to describe evil. Or, or being in sin, or lostness, you could say. And uh, light is used to describe um, goodness, or the things of God. Um, and so here, Jesus says to Paul, I'm now sending you to the Gentiles, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. That's quite a commission, isn't it? Paul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, which, by the way, is repentance. To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, Paul goes on. I want to get down just a few verses here. Uh, te- he's here testifying before King Agrippa, so he goes on. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus. Now, remember, that's where he was headed when when he encountered uh, Jesus. I was, he says, I, I first declared uh, these things to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Now, there it is again. The same message. Consistent all the way through. In fact, I would say it's consistent all the way through the Bible. This is what God has been saying from the beginning to His people. If you go back, um, for example, in the Old Testament... uh, this is a message well, to his people and to and to others as well to the Gentiles. He sent uh Jonah for example, into Nineveh um, with the with a word really of doom in forty days your history. what happened? Well, the king of Nineveh declared a fast, and the people repented, and God spared them he's calling for repentance. John the Baptist calling for repentance, Jesus calling for repentance, Peter calling for repentance, Paul calling for repentance. This is the heart of at the heart of the gospel message. It is a command to repent and be converted to repent and turn from darkness to light, to turn from selfish. Self-seeking, rebellious—that is, uh, in rebellion to God. Rebellious living, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Now, where does Paul get this message? Well, he tells us, doesn't he, earlier on in this very same chapter? Jesus said in verse 17, Acts 26:17, "Sending you to the Gentiles, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light." from the power of Satan to God. Jesus came, a great light, Isaiah says. And Matthew points out the fulfillment of this coming of a great light is when Jesus uh, departed to Galilee. He has come. The great light has come. And now, the, the, the command is, turn from darkness to the light. And follow him. Follow him. What is repentance? Uh, I've had a discussion on this a few days ago with a, a co-worker of mine, and this, it comes up, you know, quite a bit. And it's a great question, and we've talked about it here, of course. And, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't presume that you don't know. That's not why I'm saying this, but just, just to kind of as to, to recap or, or or remind us, what is repentance? first of all the 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 definition i like to give and it's not a uh it's not unique to me it's not original with me um it's a classic definition but it, it at its at the core of it in essence it is a change of mind now when i say that i don't i don't simply mean uh it, I don't simply mean that you get a little different feeling about something. You kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of wishy-washy sometimes. And we go, you know, I, I want this. And then, and then no, I don't want that. And then, I want this. I'm not talking about that. You just have this little um, kind of shallow change of mind. We're talking about a total change of mind set. Change of worldview, you might say. It's a, It's a whole different way of viewing things. This kind of change of mind is that, the very core of your being. It is intellectual, but it's not only intellectual. It's much, much deeper than that. So your whole outlook concerning God and the things of God changes. And that's what Jesus is commanding. Repent. That's what God was constantly commanding in the Old Testament. There was constant rebellion against God, and He, through the mouths of His prophets, called for repentance. turn from rebellion to submission to God. And John comes declaring the soon coming kingdom and says, prepare for the Lord. And how do you do that? Repent and bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. That's what he told the Pharisees. And then Jesus comes and says, "Repent, Turn. Turn from self-seeking to Christ-seeking. Follow Him. Follow the light. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Now here's what I want to kind of uh, kind of key in on here. Following Christ is not passive. Following Christ is not passive. It's an action. It's active. It means doing something. So, for example, now this one word kind of sums it up that we've been talking about. Repent. So there's an actual... You've got to turn from something to something or in this case someone turn from sin and self-service to Christ and serving him turn from the worship of self to the worship of Christ repent repent Turn, be converted, repent, turn from the darkness to the light. Now, I think we see this play out a little bit over these next few verses. We get some glimpses of it anyway. For example, he goes down along the sea and he sees Peter and Andrew casting a net into the sea. And he walks by and verse 19 says to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's another imperative, another command. Follow Me. Now, He's commanding everybody everywhere to repent. And now, specifically to Andrew and Peter, He says, Follow Me. I'm going to change your your whole life, your whole focus is gonna is gonna be redirected. Fishing, by the way, was not a, a, just a hobby with them. <laughs> it was it was their livelihood. And on top of that, probably I don't you know know this for sure, but probably they loved it. I mean, because a lot of people do. But it was certainly their their livelihood. It's what they do. It's how they pay the bills. So it's not a light thing. It's not like saying. Um, you know, follow me down to the store, we'll be back in 10 minutes. And, you know, you can pick up where you left off. That's not the idea here. He's talking about them leaving, essentially, the world they know, leaving self dependence, and following Him, walking where He walks. And so you're going, there's going to be a whole new business now. You've been fishing for fish. That's logical, right? <laughs> but now you're going to be fishing for men. Whole new vocation. Career change, you might say. Look at verse 20. Isn't it just amazing? They don't, they don't seem to uh, uh, have a problem with that. <laughs> immediately, they immediately left their nets and followed Him. Well, then he goes on a little further. Sees John and James, the sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee, uh, mending their nets. Verse twenty-one, he called them, and immediately they left their boat, the boat and their father, and followed him. So they too walk away from their livelihood and their father. And I don't think Matthew just slits that in as a, just, just sort of a, a mention because their father happened to be there. Remember, there was one other case where Jesus instructed a man to follow Him, and He said, let me go and bury my father. In other words, let me, let me take care of my father, which, which would be rightfully the responsibility of the child. Let me go and take care of my father until he dies, and then I'll come and follow you. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. You come and follow me. Well, here, that's what James and John do. Immediately. There's no, there are no excuses. No, wait a minute. We've got to bury our father. They just immediately leave everything and follow Christ. So repentance or following the light, following Jesus, what we're talking about, I'm just saying the light because how he was referred to in verse 16 there. But following Jesus is active, not passive. We are called upon to do things. For example, turn, repent. By nature, this is the case with every human being, uh... Left to ourselves, apart from Christ. Every, every human being, our first love is what? Self, right? That's, that's our God. That's, that's our priority. Self. And so that's what he's calling for here in repentance. Turn from self-service or self-worship to follow Christ. To love Him above all things. To worship Him. To uh, do His will rather than your own will. Follow Him. Now, go with me. We're going to jump ahead a little bit and get a little sneak preview. Uh, Matthew 25. Because Lord willing, uh, we will make it there eventually. I don't know how long it will be. I'm sorry, I told you wrong. Uh, Matthew 7. Matthew 7, Jesus instructs uh, those hearing Him to beware of false prophets. Um, He says in verse 16, you will know them by their fruits, that is, by their conduct. Um, Then He raises a question in verse 16, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name, cast out demons in Your name, and done many wonders in Your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew You. Depart from me, You who practice lawlessness. Now, I want to notice a couple of things here. Um, You know, I've heard this referred to as as a very... Uh, frightening passage, and it is. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from that. I think it is. But I do think it's often misunderstood in more ways than one. One way is this. I had a uh, co-worker say to me one time, uh, he said, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of Christians in hell. And I said, uh, no. Well, you know, And I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, no, what, what, what do you... What do you mean? And he re- he was referring to this passage. Well, many who say to me, "Lord, Lord," shall not enter in. Okay, he's he's missing something there. He's missing something there because Jesus qualifies uh, what he's talking about here. Who's not going to enter in? Another way in which uh, I think it's often maybe maybe misunderstood um, is that this, this element that Jesus uses to qualify what He says is, is, I think, often overlooked. Let's look at it again. Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. The picture here is is similar to the one in matthew twenty five I think what he has in mind here is the uh is perhaps the last day, and uh, he's saying not everybody's going to get to enter in if you go to you know matthew twenty five you'll see that he he has all the nations gathered before him on the last day he separates the sheep from the goats, in other words, he separates his people from uh, the believers from the unbelievers, and the unbelievers are uh, taken away into eternal damnation and believers are taken in into uh, the kingdom, into the very presence of God. I think that's the same uh, event that he has in view here. And he says, not everyone, this is the shocking statement, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. So, he does clearly say, there are going to be people who prof- profess to know me, who will not enter in the kingdom of heaven. He definitely does say that, which my friend took to mean there are going to actually be Christians out there that perish, and I don't even know how he explained all that, but 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 that's not what the Lord's not what the Lord's saying. In fact he's making a distinction between Christians and non Christians, believers and unbelievers. He's making a distinction between those who do God's will and those who don't. That's the qualifier. So look at it again. Lord, Lord, those who say, Lord, Lord, shall shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, but who will? He makes that clear, doesn't he? Verse 21. He says, some who say, Lord, Lord, will not enter in, but some will. Who will? He who does the will of my Father in heaven. So it's not just... The hearers of the Word of God, but the doers. And it's not, it's not just, uh, those who hear and profess, but it's those who hear and obey, those who do, those who repent, those who follow. Now, this, this is how I would, um, define following. Christ, Because I think this is the way Jesus defines it here. This is how I would define following Christ. And I think this is important, uh, obviously, for evangelism. You know, when we're talking to people about what it means to be a Christian, it's, it's, it's important because there are so many misconceptions in the day and time that we live in. So it seems to me this idea of saying, Lord, Lord... Even though Jesus warns against it here, it seems to me this idea of merely saying, Lord, Lord, is nevertheless still encouraged in the very day we live in, 2,000 years later. And we've had, we've had this book for 2,000 years now, and not only are these things still being said, but they're still being encouraged. Jesus says something different. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, uh, Have we not prophesied, let me back up, verse 21, they shall not enter in the kingdom of heaven. The ones who will, he goes on to say, are the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Now, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Now, that sounds like doing, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? That sounds like doing, they're doing something. They were prophesying. They were casting out demons. They were doing many wonders in the name of Christ. Well, first of all, I would point out this. Uh, That was their claim. He doesn't confirm that. Jesus doesn't say they were doing wonders in His name. Jesus doesn't say they were casting out demons in His name. they made that claim. But... Regardless, they, they were professing and they were doing something. They were at least preaching and pretending to cast out demons and pretending to do miracles. They were doing things supposedly in the name of Christ. And yet, he says, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, verse 23, he says, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, there's two (coughs) phrases here that I I think are the key. Verse 21, He who does the will of my Father in heaven. It's not just doing. It's doing the will of God. When John came preaching repentance, he wasn't just saying, you know, just turn. (laughs) He's talking about turn from ungodliness to godliness. Turn from idolatry to Christ. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 4. When Jesus comes preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's got a specific thing in mind when he uses the word repent. Forsaking your own will for the will of God. Doing the will of God. So when he says to James and John and Andrew and Peter, follow me, that's a great illustration of that. Come, follow me. You're going to to go where I go. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Following Christ is, is very active. But, again, just saying or just doing anything doesn't do it. It, it. It's doing the will of God, doing the will of my Father in heaven, Jesus says clearly in verse 21. Now, he, he reiterates that in verse 23 with another phrase. You who practice lawlessness. Then I will declare to them, verse 23, that is, those who claimed to know Him but did not in truth know Him, Those who claimed to do works in His name, but did not in truth do works in His name. They they may have done many, many, many wonderful works. I mean, we don't know. But they weren't working in the name of Christ because He didn't even know them. They didn't even know Him. And verse 21 tells us they weren't doing the will of God. They were on their own mission. And so he says in verse 23, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These people that were told to depart were still in rebellion. They had never submitted to the Lordship of Christ. They had never followed Christ. They weren't following Christ. They were practicing lawlessness. That is, to live uh, as if there is no law. They, they were living in the state of rebellion. And so Jesus said, I don't know you. You're not doing the will of my Father. What you're doing is lawlessness. Lawlessness. So when Jesus says "Follow Me," or when we talk about following Christ, what are we saying? What was He saying? And by the way, I did you know just a a personal preference that that is one of my uh, preferred ways of saying it. You know, when I when I talk to people, rather than saying "Look, believe on Jesus," they do need to believe on Jesus. But the problem today with using that word is nobody has a well. Few people out there have a clear concept. What you mean by believe? I mean, there's just, it's just crazy. And, and, and if, if, you know, and you can get back to that and talk about what real belief is. What I like to do is talk to them about following Jesus. You got to go after him. In fact, I tell them usually, you got to go hard after him. Go after Jesus. Walk where he walks. Follow him. This is what I think John, Jesus, Peter, Paul were talking about. So why they talked about repentance. Because following Christ means doing the will of God. In our former life, when we sat... And, and I don't by the way I don't believe in reincarnation. I don't mean let <laughs> I me mean, let me be clear there I'm not talking about a a life before this you know this uh this life in the twenty first century uh <laughs> I mean before we were saved, I think of that you know as former life because there is a radical change but before we were saved, we sat in darkness you know, like like the people in Zebulun and Nephtali, Galilee of the Gentiles. And a great light has come. Like the lighthouse. Not only shows us the way, <laughs> he is the way. He is the way. And so repentance is a call to follow him. Not just to make a profession. That's what the people in Matthew 7 did. It's not the professors that are saved in the end. It's the possessors. Repentance is a call to actively, actively follow Christ. And following Christ means to do the Father's will as opposed to living in rebellion. Do the will of my Father. Those who do the will of my Father will enter in. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Gospel message. Thank You for the gift, the free gift, the gift of Your only begotten Son sent into the world to live, to die, to rise again so that all who believe on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, thank You for the call to come and to follow. Thank You for the command of repentance and for the empowerment to repent and to walk with You. Thank You for the gift of life, deliverance from death, deliverance from spiritual darkness, To life and light in Christ forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana.